VI Shots Podcast, Episode 30. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of VI Shots. My name is Michael Ivaliotis, and this is the podcast devoted to the world of LabVIEW. With each episode, we bring you interviews, discussions, and share with you ideas for how you can take your LabVIEW development to the next level. Well, thank you all for listening to this episode of VI Shots. We're back again. Uh, this time I have a recording that I did uh, about over a year ago at NI Week 2012. And uh, it was a panel discussion and I called it VI Shots Live. And it was done in the um, in the exhibition floor area where there's like a big uh, stage. And uh, we had about four or five people on there. <clears throat> uh, and we just talked about different things. As you can hear in the um, interview, I mentioned that I will be publishing that recording very soon, <laughs> probably within three months of an iWeek. And I guess I didn't do that. So now it's uh, over a year, and but it's finally out there. And I hope you enjoy this uh, interview I did with several uh, LabVIEW champions and one member of the NI original R&D team uh, from uh, LabVIEW R&D team. And without any delays, I'll just uh, play it right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a live episode of VI Shots, coming to you from NI Week 2012. We have a packed house here today, and this is the first time that uh, we're doing VI Shots live from NI Week. Uh, we're not sure why NI allowed me to do this, uh, but we're doing it. And we have a, a stellar panel. We have a panel full of LabVIEW champions, except for one. And that would be Brian. Thank you very much. Um, starting from my far right, I have uh, Jack Dunaway. Next, uh, Justin Gores. On my left is uh, Chris Ralph. And at the end is Brian Powell. And we decided to order people based on how many years of LabVIEW experience we have. So starting from my right is Jack all the way to Brian. So uh, starting with you, Jack, this is the first time you've been on VI Shots. What, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what company you're working for? Uh, yeah, sure. My name is Jack Dunaway. Uh, I work for the recently founded Wirebird Labs. Uh, what Wirebird does is we create toolkits for LabVIEW. Uh, if you visit us on the website, uh, wirebirdlabs.com, uh, you'll see that we're going to make a product an announcement here pretty soon, September 2012. Uh, so visit us over there and check it out. So Wirebird Labs is officially um, sort of coming out uh, at an iWeek? Well, I wouldn't call it coming out. But uh, yeah, we're we're officially launching, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so you have so it's wirebirdlabs.com. Right on. You, you could uh, sign up for a mailing list and get notified when the product's released. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then just uh, come learn a little bit more about what it's about. Uh, you'll you'll hear that I'm I'm really excited about uh, LabVIEW tools toolkits. Uh, I'm really excited about talking to people who love LabVIEW and uh, would like to like to talk about toolkits. If if I wanted to get a shirt like yours, could I get one? Absolutely, just uh, drop me a line. So um, you're you're famous in the community for um, be having sort of the most ideas. Well, one of the person has uh, some of the most ideas on the LabVIEW Idea Exchange. Um, have any of your ideas been uh, voted up and actually included with LabVIEW? I think so, and I'm embarrassed to admit I can't uh, list those offhand right now. Uh, 
I think one made it in in 2011 and one in uh, 2012 also. So, I mean, I, I should have been more prepared and had a list, but uh, I'm not. I, I should be more prepared and realize what it is that I suggested. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, thanks, Jack. Uh, yeah, sure Justin, uh, you work for JKI. I do. As do I. Cool story, bro. <laughs> you, you've, been, you've been on the... On the on VI shots before, and uh, you're, uh, can you uh, talk a little bit about your position? Yeah, you bet. So uh, I run marketing for JKI. Um, I've been using LabVIEW for something like 15 years now. Um, uh, CLA LabVIEW champion. Um, I'm heavily involved with First Robotics. Uh, and uh, JKI provides consulting services to high-tech companies who are wanting to build products powered by LabVIEW and ship them with LabVIEW as the firmware rather than having to rewrite their software in C and Java. And we also make uh, some really cool um, LabVIEW developer tools for other people who do things with LabVIEW. They do things. They do things. Important things. Amazing things. We went to the, uh, the LabVIEW Tools Network Awards today, and I was actually really, really impressed with what other companies are doing with LabVIEW. Um, like, we, we're very much deep in sort of the native LabVIEW world. Like, we think LabVIEW, LabVIEW, LabVIEW. But it's really amazing to me when I see, you know, companies like, um, like NeuralID, right? Yes. And, like, the toolkits that people are building on top of LabVIEW that really solve domain-specific problems. Um, while you were talking, Chris was making funny faces at the audience. And this I'm just mentioning for people who are listening to the podcast and not live here. Since we last talked, I believe you did a uh, presentation at Business of Software. Oh, I did. And that was, uh, can you describe a little bit about how that happened? Yeah, you bet. This is sort of a, a crazy hobby of mine. Um, I'm pretty heavily involved uh, in the creative community where I live in North Carolina in Raleigh. Um, and I participate in these things called Pachakacha Nights, which is like a high-speed PowerPoint Pachakacha presentation Nights? thing. Pachakacha. It's uh, Japanese for chit-chat. But basically, they're short, rapid-fire talks about sort of any creative topic. And um, I did a, a talk at my local one about um, entrepreneurship and uh, sort of what motivates uh, me as a whatever I am. As a as person. A crea as a creative person, yeah, as, as a business person, as a creative individual in the technology world. And um, it was pretty well received there. And I actually entered it in a, in a speaking competition in Boston last year at the Business of Software conference. And so I was selected to go there as a finalist, and then I, I gave the presentation there. And it's actually a pretty high-power conference. They get heavy hitters like Joel Spolsky and uh, Jeff Atwood and uh, Clay Christensen. He's the guy who wrote um, Crossing the Chasm. I think he wrote about Crossing the Chasm. Is that his thing? I should be more prepared, too. Um, and uh, so I gave my talk there as part of the competition, the speaking competition, and I actually won. And so I got a, I got a Kindle. Well, you also won a spot this year to do a one-hour no, presentation. No, we should have talked about that, actually. It turns out that was that? a gigantic misunderstanding. <laughs> um, no, I, I, it turns out I don't actually get a, a whole oh. slot there. Oh, okay. Um, they did that one year, and then um, they decided not to do it anymore. But I do get to go to the conference, and that's nice. So I'll tell you what I learned. I can be on VI Shots and talk about it, if you want. Thanks, Justin. Uh, <laughs> Chris, um, you work for VI Engineering. I do. And can you describe, what, what is it you do? Uh, I'm the chief architect there. Uh, we are probably the only representation of a traditional test company on the panel today. Um, we work in uh, automotive, uh, aerospace, defense, medical, and uh, more recently, um, consumer electronics industries. Uh, most of the work we do is very heavily uh, regulated industries as well, so that's that's awfully interesting, um, especially to be able to do that in the LabVIEW and test end uh, space, which is where most of our expertise lies. 
a lot of people here in the audience know you as uh, one of the most visible members of the Lava community. Because I am seven feet tall. <laughs> with a shock of red hair. <laughs> Eyes yes. that burn with the fires of... It's not one of your Pikachu nights, Justin. Um, what is the plural of Krelf? I am... <laughs> is it Krelves? Krelf eyes. I am one of the uh, administrators, along with your uh, distinguished self, on the uh, Lava Forums, yes. And you also, uh, you're the, the chief tweet that tweets the Lava G. Chief, chief tweet. Chief sir. tweet. Uh, at the Lava G Twitter. Yes, I'm, I'm behind most of the at Lava G tweets that you'll, you'll see going out there into the, the universe. Um, there are several of us, especially um, at great events like NI Week, there are a bunch of us that will tweet about cool stuff that might not necessarily be mentioned in the program. Um, so, but yes, during the year, that's basically me. That's pretty much all I do, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. That's all you do. Yes. Right. Um, Brian, Mr. Brian Powell. Um, yes. One of the original, uh, one, of the, one of the people that are from the original LabVIEW team. You're, you're calling me old is what you're doing. You're yes. saying I'm, I'm the oldest member of the... And the most experienced. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, but I like to think I'm not the most mature. <laughs> but on this panel, I might be. <laughs> we had to have one and I person, okay? So yeah. they insisted. You know, we tried not to, but so um, you also are a. Um, uh, <laughs> this is the part where we normally. There's so many ways that out. I could answer that. It's it's. Where do I start? <laughs> this is why I don't do live. Um, <laughs> Because I can go back and edit all the stuff out. So, uh, field architects, you are uh, one of the three field architects that are currently uh, working for an eye. And um, what do field architects do? Oh, that's that's a great question. So, there's uh, what I call an army of three. Um, so we have we have three in the U.S. We also have been uh, expanding. We've we've uh, got a guy who's a LabVIEW evangelist in the United Kingdom who's who's doing a very similar role. Uh, and then um, we've got uh, in the Northeast, we've got Scott Rogers committed to adding another field architect for the Boston area. So we are an expanding group. We basically work on uh, LabVIEW proficiency and trying to build up LabVIEW expertise among our, our top accounts. And not rather than uh, us be the LabVIEW experts, we want to create more certified LabVIEW developers and certified LabVIEW architects. Work ourselves out of a job. Awesome. So before we get started, I just want to mention, uh, for those of you who don't know about VI Shots, it's a website, uh, vishots.com, that uh, we have this podcast. And uh, we have uh, Twitter, at uh, VI Shots. And uh, I want to surpass Chris as the number for the most number of followers, because right now you have more than me. So. <laughs> and we're talking about, what, 400 versus 300? <laughs> Something like that. So I uh, thank you for uh, coming in and watching this today. Now, let's, let's get on with one, so kind of one of the biggest announcements this week, which is LabVIEW 2012. And of course, we have all, we're all familiar with all the features of LabVIEW 2012. But I just, I just want to go from, uh, start with the panel here and uh, ask you, um, what, what are the, some, of the, some of the things that excite you about 2012? So one thing I really like is the new terminal uh, abilities that we get on for loops, like auto-indexing outputs, very, very cool. Uh, we've got a couple other uh, abilities, including like, what, what is it, auto-concatenate outputs, mm -hmm. very cool. Uh, things like this, it's just a really great way to clear up your code syntactically, uh, make it nicer. Uh, and hopefully even make it a little more efficient. You said auto-indexing? 
Auto-concatenating? Oh, auto-concatenating. Is that a new one? Auto-concatenating is new. There we go. And there's also the conditional build. Conditional. Right, on the same same terminal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah, I, th I think that's... Uh, I mean, I've, I've been wanting that for a long time. I've been wanting more than that, but out of Lavia, I've been wanting that for a long time. Um, what, what, have, <laughs> what else have you wanted? <laughs> what can I do for you? If I had a million dollars, what could I make happen for you? So now we're just haggling over price. <laughs> so this is where we go off track. This is where we go. This is where we go off the script. Um, okay, I'm not going to answer. I'll, I'll answer. I'll answer it at the Lava G barbecue that is happening tonight at 7 p.m. So everybody should have a ticket. And if you don't, um, ask Justin for a ticket for Lava G barbecue. There's actually a lot of announcements. For, for, um, for people that are listening to this podcast, please don't ask Justin for a ticket to the barbecue because it probably has already occurred. Yes. <laughs> Asking for a ticket for next year's barbecue. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. And there's actually another announcement at the Lava G barbecue, but you're going to have to come and find out what it is. So, if, I, if I could get back on track a little bit about LiveView 2012. Oh, okay. Um, there's a, a couple of things that I really like about LiveView 2012, and, and, and they're things that have kind of been skirting around a little bit in previous versions, and that is I, I really like the new... Um, launch window that it uh, have access directly to projects that I've been working on recently. Um, I find that I usually work on probably three or four major projects simultaneously. Um, so a lot of the time I'm opening LiveView, going through the file and recent projects and what have you. And, and the fact that it's right there when I when I open up is great. Um, another thing that I really like and is the and is very prevalent in the time and the money that NI has invested in is the a lot of the new templates. Um, applications that, that ship with LiveView now, um, and the ability for me to be able to add my own into that. Um, we have a bunch of templates that we use at VI Engineering, um, but I also really appreciate the effort that National Instruments has put into including kind of a wider range of people to design those templates and those, those example applications that are in there. So they're actually really high quality um, starting points, um, and they're certainly very helpful for you know, even just day-to-day -day applications, but uh, a lot of people that in our organization that are learning LabVIEW, um, it's, it's a lot easier for us now to kind of point them in that area and, and they, can, they can learn sort of architecture after architecture as the, the complexity grows. So that's, I think, is an excellent step forward. You're welcome. So actually, something I'd add to that, too, is when you, when you guys are finished. We should have videotaped um, this. Something I'd add to that related to people who are learning LabVIEW is that um, NI has been talking a lot the last couple of years about LabVIEW adoption and LabVIEW proficiency. And one of the things that I haven't actually tried myself, but I'm, but I'm really excited to check out, is um, the new online self-paced training stuff. I think that has a, a, a chance to be really, really cool for a lot of people. Um, we're always having trouble finding really, really great LabVIEW people um, to hire and to work with. And anything we can do to sort of make the evolution of a new LabVIEW person's skills easier, um, and better yet, anything NI does to make that easier for us, um, is, is a real plus. And I, I think that that stuff is just really exciting. You're welcome. Thank you, Brian. Right, and that's actually going to have, I think, a wider impact. I mean, there are a lot of companies where... I didn't know you were responsible for all this stuff, Brian. I know, right? <laughs> you, you, every time something goes wrong, everyone says Brian's responsible. I don't... No, I, I think that it has a, a wider, wider cast than that as well. There are, you know, organizations, especially larger ones, where the core isn't LabVIEW. Um, sometimes it's, it's difficult to justify 
kind of further up the chain to invest in formalized training. So that these these courses, which, you know, they, they used to cost a significant amount of money. Now, if you have an active SSP, you can even say to someone, look, if you need to do that on some of your own time or, you know, we can invest in time in that, that's going to be a lot, uh, an easier sell, I think, to to the people that, that um, control the money. Um, and I'm really excited also to hear uh, here at NI Week that this is kind of the first of um, some more courses that are eventually going to be coming online, including some of NI's other product offerings like, like Test Stand and, and some of the toolkit. Just to add to that, and one of the other use cases I see is that uh, you, know, you take LabVIEW Core 1 and Core 2 when you're first starting to use LabVIEW, but it's almost like too early to be taking the training because you need some experience. So being able to just use the self-paced online training to go back and use it as a refresher uh, for the courses that you have taken is, is a really good thing. And Brian, I think this kind of helps you fulfill your uh, goal of getting more uh, certified LabVIEW architects out there, right? I mean, that's that's right. I, I hope so. And we want to basically um, show the value of, of certification because we were just talking to some customers yesterday of seeing how the certification process of actually measuring their results, measuring that they're they, they demonstrate their LabVIEW skills, that it's helped them be better LabVIEW programmers. It's forced them to actually uh, go through more of the training and, and improve their skills, and that's helping them in their jobs as well, that they're doing a better job, more efficiently creating good, maintainable code. And that's extensible as well, in that if you're with an organization for a long period of time, you're going to develop in the ways that the people around you develop. You're going to learn from your colleagues, whereas now that this, these resources are available from National Instruments, you get much more of a wider view, um, not necessarily in the context of the courses that you, you're doing, but the people that have written the courses actually have, obviously, knowledge well beyond those courses, too. So you're able to, to cast that wide net, and it's much more extensible, I think. I wish we had certified LabVIEW architect ribbons this year at NI Week. Uh, some of us do. <laughs> We're not, going, we're not going there? We okay. have the Middle Eastern. <laughs> so um, one, one feature that actually I, I like, and it's kind of trivial um, in LabVIEW 2012, but I think it's something that should have been there from version 1.0, is the, uh, the ability I'm to... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but you're welcome. <laughs> All in one. Better late than never. Exactly. Is the ability to select a bunch of objects on the block diagram and execute a function on all of them at once, like create constant or, or you know, do something with them. And that seems so natural. You know, it seems so natural, something that you know you'd, you'd want to do. Challenging. But it was never there. I don't. I'm not sure why this that that took so long to do. Because it was hard. Okay. That's. Thank we do you. the things that are hard, right? <laughs> um, that's great. Well, thank you. Thank you for that feature. You're um, welcome. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Thank you for file save as well. I you're you're welcome. That. that one, yes, I did actually work on. The most one, that was the feature. gift that keeps on giving. It's it. I use that feature all the time. Yeah. Well, Brian, were you responsible for undo as well? No, no, no. That wasn't me. That was too hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. okay. So we're at an eye week. Uh, we have one day under our belt. Um, some of you have gone to some sessions. Uh, Jack, have you? What was was some interesting stuff that you uh, came across today? Ooh, I went to Stephen Mercer's uh, state of the state of the art LabVIEW classes. What's going on uh, with LabVIEW classes in 2012? Uh, he he's always full of good stuff. Uh, one one really great analogy I heard today was talking about uh, class inheritance. We've all heard the duck analogy. If it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, uh, then it must be a duck. But then he was talking about data that doesn't belong in parent classes. 
his analogy was if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, but it needs batteries, it's probably not a duck. <laughs> uh, and he, he got this from, from an external uh, website. I think it was like the Liskoff principle or something like that. Uh, but yeah, always learning good stuff. Anyone else? I hope someone's taking pictures. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to talk about the VST that was announced this morning. I think that's a fantastic, um, exciting product for two reasons. Um, one, it's a great piece of RF hardware. Um, what is that? The, uh, the, well, I call it a VSAG because it's basically a vector signal analyzer generator, but it's also got FPGA oh. and all sorts of other things in it. Um, it's really compressing a whole bunch of functionality that would, uh, would be in many different um, components into one. Um, and it's exciting for a few reasons. It's uh, the first and the, the most obvious one to me initially was the price point is, is a lot lower to um, having the individual components out. But the really exciting part for me is the um, access to the actual RF FPGA layer. Um, for I'm sure when this um, goes up on the web, everyone will have already read uh, about this awesome piece of hardware and the fact that NI is actually, this is a direction they're looking to go in for more hardware in the future. But um, instead of having the car just basically have its defined feature, you're able to actually get essentially to the pins um, for your RF inputs and outputs and write your own FPGA code down in there. Um, and I, th I think that, that it's very exciting, obviously, just for the RF product itself, but as a, a general path forward for National Instruments um, hardware, I think it's, uh, it's revolutionary. And I just wanted to add, my understanding is that we're giving you the source code to that LabVIEW FPGA that is the default personality that is included. Right, so if you have, and that, that was one of the concerns I initially heard, was like, do I now need to know how to do RF FPGA code? And the answer to that is no, you can use the default personalities and the APIs and what have you, but if you have a particular use case, and, and I see this is gonna be huge in manufacturing tests, where you know a lot of RF, te RF tests take a long time. If you only need a subset of that, and because it's a VST and can do both the vector, the, the generation and the, the analysis, you can do that all within one card very quickly in the FPGA, so the, the tack times are gonna come down dramatically. So that's exciting. Yeah, and also, um, yeah, that was exciting. Anyone else, Justin? Yeah. Nope. Nothing excited you today. Well, I, well I've, I'm told that you, my session was good. You're welcome. You um, no, I mean, I, had a, I, gave, I gave a talk today. Um, I had my session, I, got, I was lucky to get my session over like first thing at NI Week this year, so I don't have to worry about doing it um, later like, like many other people do, so I was fortunate in that respect. Um, yeah, I mean, my session was, uh, I got to talk about sort of all the non-LabVIEW tools that we use at JKI that build, that make up our process, and what came out of that was a really interesting discussion about uh, all the different tools that everybody uses, and it turned out that there were a lot of a lot of pent up questions and interest from all the different people who were in attendance. Um, okay, we're going to pose for pictures now. Hey, Michael, can you uh, that was a good picture. The question again? What, what's the best thing about NI Week? Yeah. Okay. So the most interesting thing I've seen yet, well, I guess, was my own, was, says my was my no. They, they, he somebody led me to it. I was what I was going to say was I havenven't had time to do anything except my organize the barbecue session. and do my slides. So you, and so I'm you, trying to, to contribute something. So you can and, lead a, a horse to drink. But it, I mean, I guess it was pretty interesting. It, it was a great session. Thank you. I don't You're wanna, welcome. I, I don't want to deride the session too much, but actually, the most valuable part of it was the discussion after that you had. I mean, you went through a lot of the tools that you guys use at JKI and, and the reasons that you use those, and then it was awesome. The, the audience offered up so many of their tools as well. Which are probably better than ours. Well, it, it, it kind of really 
broad uh, the breadth of the the conversation was uh, was much broader, and I, I appreciated that. So, um, what's uh, Brian? Did you have anything you want to say? Uh, yes. At the same time that they were all in uh, Justin's session, I was giving a session uh, across town, apparently, which was also awesome. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, how'd that work out for you? It's, it was. I was highly entertained by the session, so that's all that was important. It was actually a code review hands-on. We we taught people um, some of the ways we do code reviews with LabVIEW, as, and uh, had a good discussion, actually uh, took a look at some uh, shipping LabVIEW code and reviewed it live in front of, of dum, 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 all dum. of us. That sounds better than my session. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wish I had a <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, I'll say this. You know, the speaking of code reviews, you know the, the code that they showed on the on the screen at the keynote this morning, the spaghetti code? There's like this and not this, whatever it was they were doing? You, you're not going to tell everyone who it was, are you? No, well, I, I honestly, for a second, I was like, oh my God, that's my code from 10 years ago. And I, Michael knows the story. Omar knows the story. I'm not going to tell the story. Because I had to work on that code. Yeah, because that was... That, okay, so the part of the story I will tell is the part where I made it Mike's problem <laughs> forever. And how it's kind of still Mike's yeah. problem. Actually, the, it was gift, it was Jack's gift. problem for a while too. How many people on this stage have have worked on that code? Anyway, yeah. but the point is like like that that was interesting to me that that code like reminded me of myself. Um, so let me ask know. you let me ask you this, Justin. Was that before you were a certified LabVIEW developer? Yeah, it was this really actually it was a really cool project that went on for a long time, and it was way, way, way beyond the scope of what I could have possibly handled, but I was the only guy. We could and tell so this, that by the code. And so, this, and so this project went on for maybe, I don't know, a year, and I was just a, a neophyte at the time. And so there were phases of the application, which was really large. And by large, I mean like three foot by four foot. Ralph size. <laughs> yes. Um, and you could Ralph see... And you, exactly. I, I prefer the term fun size. <laughs> And, and you could see, like, different parts of the program were like, th like this is the phase, this is Justin's global variable phase, right? Or it was like, I had discovered that you can do almost anything with global variables. And I was like, oh my God, everything looks like a nail now, and I can hit it with this hammer. And then, and then... And then, it, then the control references And then, phase. okay, then, a, then like a couple the, months later, I had, I had discovered the scaling limit of global variables, and it was like, oh, what am I going to do now? I can't, can't write the application anymore that I discovered control references, and I was like, holy cow, you can do anything, you can do everything with control references. And so there was a whole other section of the software. And then, and then someone told you about functional globals? That was, yes, and, and yes. Then and then there, was, then there was the functional global epoch, and then, like, then I discovered cues, I discovered then, state machines. I discovered state machines. And then you decided to combine globals, functional globals, and control references. Yes, and I was putting... Control I was putting references and globals, and then globals and functional globals. In a functional globals. global. Yeah, it was my, my, can, it, can It's you, like this project fun. was like and a then, taxonomy. And then he dropped it in a class. And then yeah. you made them all re-entrant. And Mike, can, can you stop <laughs> yeah. tormenting him, really? Just let him go. Oh, it's not tormenting me, it's tormenting He's the one reliving it. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, speaking of self-paced online training, boy, that would have been nice 10 years ago. <laughs> I mean... And we have come full circle. And that, but, but, but I'll say this, that code, parts of that code are still running, right? Or did you finally get rid of it? No, it's, it's there. Yeah, it'll always be there, because you can't well, get rid of it. I, so I, are, you, are you saying that was VIPM source code? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no. Awkward silence. <laughs> no, it's not. 
Um, well, I, I feel that when, when looking at other people's code, I feel that I can tell a little bit about the personality of the person by looking at the code. I can tell what type of person they are. And when I looked at Justin's code, I, I couldn't tell what the hell he was doing there. You yeah. pulled the authorities. It was all over the map. We should, you should do that. Like, as of next year for VI Shots Live, you should put, like, screenshots of people's code up there. And, and then figure psych- out who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we should have done that. We could have put screenshots up, and then you could try to guess... Well, you'd get you'd know our code. That wouldn't be any fun. It'd have to be somebody other than you. But but we could do like audience vote. Like like code. Oh, like Brian, you did code review. You could do code psychoanalysis next year. Can we? Can you and I do a session next year on code psychoanalysis? Yeah, we're gonna do that. Uh, And then we'll make a TED talk out of it. Yeah. Oh, that's our ticket to TED. Code psychoanalysis. It's gonna be so much fun with graphical system design. Well, okay. Sure. And Rio technology. Like, I yeah, because it wouldn't be any fun with it wouldn't be any fun with text languages. It would be better with LabVIEW. It'd have to be something RF in it too. So we talked about some of the some of the good stuff, some of the fun stuff today, and some of the exciting sessions. Um, Is this where you ask about the bad stuff? <laughs> <laughs> what's, Brian, what's what's your worst moment of NI Week so far? <laughs> Uh, right about what now. About, what, about, <laughs> what, uh, what about now? <laughs> what about now? Well, there, we still have two more days of an eye week. Um, any, any sessions that are coming up worth mentioning that you want people to go to? Well, I think Justin's is over and mine's over, so um, to off bed. to the bar. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th- I want to mention a session uh, by Omar Musa that's coming up uh, tomorrow. Oh, sorry, Thursday. Thursday, 1 p.m. Uh, he's going to talk about uh, some of the things that we do at JKI as far as automated, automated builds and talk about the automated build process. Um, that's one session I could recommend. When is this podcast coming out? As soon as humanly possible. Okay, so by, by three tonight. months. Three months. Or so <laughs> so uh, I just released a podcast episode today, actually. I did an interview with Eli Carey. Uh, from National Instruments about uh, LabVIEW 2012, and we go in detail on a lot of the stuff that you guys were talking about, so uh, in a more professional manner. So <laughs> if anybody wants to listen to uh, all that stuff uh, organized and, and, and neat, uh, you can uh, listen to that podcast, which, which went live today. Uh, one, one, one thing I wanted to ask uh, Jack, one thing that um, is exciting about what you're doing is you're going from becoming a, sort of de- developing systems or working uh, on system development uh, or either test systems or, or control and uh, focusing on the tools market, right? Developing tools for the LabVIEW developer? Yeah, taking it one level up the supply chain, basically. Uh, going up to the next level and meeting some of the needs that, as a LabVIEW developer, that I have seen. Uh, when, when I was developing custom applications, uh, oftentimes I would run into scenarios uh, where I wished that LabVIEW would do this one certain thing. Uh, and I, I had a couple of options. One is, you know, put it on the LabVIEW tools network or, uh, excuse me, uh, idea exchange, exchange, uh, and then sit around and wait for it to happen. Uh, So rather than doing that, uh, I I finally got so excited about it, uh, just ideas burning holes through my skull that I decided to take the active approach and go ahead and open a company, Wybird Labs, uh, to try to meet some of those needs. I think that's great, and uh, you know, uh, I support you in that. And I was I was just kidding earlier. Cool, thanks. Um, but um, how how do you see the the LabVIEW tools market as far as from from your perspective? Um, do you see it as as something that that I mean, obviously, you started your own company to, yeah, to get into it. Yeah, it. it's certainly a viable market. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, do you want to talk a little bit of maybe some ideas that you're, something that you're bringing to market or? Uh, check out, we're, we're a little too early to be talking about okay. it uh, publicly, but yeah, check out the website and uh, you get a little hint into what's uh, gonna be going on here pretty soon, uh, wirebirdlabs.com. And again, uh, we'll be making an announcement in September, uh, September 2012, about uh, the first products, also open up a private beta program. Uh, we'd like to get people who are interested in at the ground level, uh, start giving feedback uh, and help during the development cycle of the product. Cool. Um, so uh, we mentioned the Lava G barbecue, uh, Lava G Open G barbecue. Um, if anybody wants to participate in that tonight at seven, um, ask Justin over here on my on my right. So uh, when we started when we started promoting BI Shots Live, we we asked we put out a tweet and a post to ask if there was any questions that people wanted to ask. Uh oh. And some people filled in some questions, and uh, I have them listed here. Some of them are kind of strange, but anyway. Um, one question, which I think I'm going to <laughs> change a little bit. Originally it says, Justin, what was your reaction when you heard that you were LabVIEW champion? I'm going to change it to ask everyone else, <laughs> what was their reaction when they heard Justin was a LabVIEW champion? <laughs> I still don't believe it. Man, they're letting anybody in these days. <laughs> Epic troll. <laughs> my, my reaction was it, uh, it was long overdue. Yeah, no jokes. Oh, that's I was nice. actually Justin's sponsor into the Lady Champion program, so I have to say that. That's not, you're not supposed to talk about... <laughs> Fight Club. Yeah, that's supposed to be anonymous. That's why it's in the name. Uh. <laughs> so much for that. Okay. Um, <laughs> next question. You'll be editing this, right? Yes, heavily. <laughs> but to, not that um, part. To, to make it even more awkward. <laughs> A lot more awkward silences. So, LabVIEW is easy. What is right slash wrong with that statement? All of it. <laughs> I think, and I'm going to answer this question seriously for once, because um, I see this sometimes when we contract to companies. Um, one of LabVIEW's biggest um, pluses is that it's really easy to get something up and running very quickly. Um, but one of its biggest downfalls is that it's really easy to get something up and running really quickly. Um, there, there are so many instances where, um, you know, someone will get something up and running, they'll be, you know, acquiring, presenting, um, but then when they need to grow their program away from just their benchtop R&D system to actually go into maybe a, a quasi-production system or, or move into full production, um, they don't really have the, the learnings um, to, to go from that three express VIs in a loop. Um, but and then you end up with code like we saw in the um, the keynote this morning, where you know as people learn new things, then as Justin said, suddenly it's the flavor of the month. Now I'm going to use control references for everything, or now I'm going to use global global variables. Um, and I think that's a little bit of a challenge. But and I certainly addressing that, and, and we go back to it again, is the the online training that's now available with the SSP. I think will go a long way to uh, helping those those people because essentially they're they're usually isolated developers, right? They've they've picked up LabVIEW because maybe they've they've needed a DAC card and they've seen like I'm not really a programmer and their NI local salesperson has told them that they'll have a fully functional application in about two and a half minutes. Um, so but, so they're usually isolated um, and, and as I said, I think that online training is going to, to go a long way to uh, to help that class of LabVIEW developer. Yeah, you, Justin uh, made fun of his first application earlier. I'll say my first application was a really big, long, flat sequence structure where I dropped all of the terminals in the first frame and put a comment up there and called it variable declarations. 
uh, just a fundamental misunderstanding, you know, uh, where it, it but it sure was easy. Yeah, it, it was easy to do a lot of things. Uh, yet once I was trying to do other things in LabVIEW, yet I was clearly coming at it from the wrong perspective, having had a text-based background. Uh, I was frustrated with it and unable to accomplish those things. It, it took a long time to understand the new paradigms. So I think one, one of the things that I say is LabVIEW is easier than a lot of the alternatives for doing whatever it is you're trying to do. Now, if what you're doing needs a three-icon application of acquire, analyze, and present, yes, that can be easy in LabVIEW and you can be done in two and a half minutes, not including the launch time. Um, but if what you need to do is build a distributed real-time control system, then you need more skills than just the three icons, and you need to understand that you you uh, it's a more complicated application. You can use the project templates. Exactly. Right. The I'm going to add on to what, what Jack was just saying there. I think that um, there are there are two types of um, things being intuitive. There is a natural intuitiveness where. I think LabVIEW really excels at that because um, I firmly believe that the, the whole concept of data flow um, is something that is, is currently, is kind of naturally inherent in us. Um, and then there is the learned intuitiveness, which is, you know, it wasn't intuitive to start with, but now I've done it a million times. It's second nature to me. So if you go into a text-based programming language, often that will be, um, that will have to be a learned intuitiveness where, you know, it's not really how my mind, my mind thinks in, in pictures, which m most people's minds do. Um, but, you know, I'm going to have to come down to the sequential world of, of text. Um, and then you kind of, you learn it, you get used to it, and then it comes second nature to you. So then when you have to go to LabVIEW, you, you're, you're essentially stripping away a lot of the uh, the preconceptions that you learn in that text-based language. So that that I found that to be a challenge as well when I've hired someone who's who's you know maybe a, a fantastic programmer in a um, a text-based language. Um, I've seen people crash and burn when they go to LabVIEW because they can't let go of I mean let's be frank let go of a lot of the crap that they've had to build up over the years to get by in a text-based language. And and I've found when you do have to go back over and do a little bit of text-based uh, like lately I've been doing uh, some jQuery PHP. CSS like web stuff uh, coming back into LabVIEW is so refreshing because I feel like ah oh, I'm I'm back into the domain that that makes sense and in knowing both you do realize it is a superior platform for uh, writing code like when you're doing web programming and you get to a situation where you know that the right way to solve whatever you're doing is with a shift register and you <laughs> 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 or or better yet an uninitialized shift register and and like this semantic that in LabVIEW is so native and natural. Um, and, and you search jQuery shift register and get no results. And right. Yeah, well, and, and you know, text languages have the concept of like, you know, stacks and things like that. You can right. do things, but that's not a shift register. It doesn't w work the same way. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing for me is, um, someone mentioned, uh, was being an isolated programmer. I think um, that's huge as far as uh, preventing you from uh, reaching that next level, uh, getting over that hump, whatever that is, to, to become sort of either getting a, doing a larger system, a more complicated system, or you know, getting, being a certified architect and that stuff. So um, if I, I mean, could uh, just add to that, um, I know that when we all get to, to NI week, we're all just love you, love you, love you, and we're all real excited about it, and we want to geek out about programming. But when it comes down to it, my job isn't really as a programmer. I, I design software and I test product. And LabVIEW does not get in my way. Whereas, as you know, I've done a lot of work in, in years gone by in text-based programming where 
Um, like Jack, you were talking, talking about, you have those ideas burning in your skull and you just want to get stuff done. But then I have to stall for hours or days to set up something in a text-based programming language to get back to what I actually wanted to, to get your problem. Done. When it gets down to it, I need to test product, right? And, and LabVIEW helps me. It doesn't get in my way. And that, that, um, I'm thankful for that. You're welcome. <laughs> So we're probably, probably uh, running a little short on time, so I'm, um, there's a lot of questions. Um, but well, to summarize, yes, yes, <laughs> no, seven, none of your business, and yes. Um, I'm going to open it up a little bit to the audience to see if there's any audience questions out there. If there is, we can, we can take questions from the audience. If not, we can continue. Ask us anything. Question. Do we have a yes. microphone? The question is, what is the best third-party tool ever? in the world. Um, now that VIPM is shipped with LabVIEW 2012. Can it still be VIPM? VIPM is the best product on the LabVIEW Tools Network. No. Hey, hey uh, David, I'll, I'll announce it in September 2012. <laughs> <laughs> what will be the best product? Um, uh, I want to give a shout out to two products that I, I use a lot. Um, one of them is, is also a JKI tool. It's called EasyXML. Um, for anyone that's tried to do XML in LabVIEW, um, there have been several attempts to make it easier and more comprehensive over the years, and um, none of them have really been that comprehensive, but uh, JKO has a fantastic product, and I think it's only like $99 a license or something like that, and it really is a fully extensible way to work with XML, so there's a shout out to, to JKO as well. Um, another toolkit that I really like is the uh, Symbio uh, GDS, the Goop Development Suite. Um, for those that don't know, um, Goop was kind of, the I think, the second um, instance of uh, attempted at OO on LabVIEW, the, the first one being the Vista class generator from VI Engineering. Uh, VI Engineering. <coughs> See, I'm getting all choked up over it. It was beautiful. Um, and, and a lot of the, uh, the, the Goop framework is uh, by reference um, paradigm. Uh, if you don't know, really understand what that means, it's um, the GDS is, uh, is, is a toolkit that sits on top of that. Um, I do most of my OO work uh, using LVOOP, which is native to LiveView, but the GDS uh, allows me to manage that a lot more easily, um, and it's more extensible. I have a great UML uh, toolkit as well, uh, so you can actually visualize your, your, your classes and your, your methods as you're coding. Um, and it automatically generates the, the UML documentation, which is a big plus. Any tools on this side? Uh, I would just second what Krolf said, basically. What he said? You're welcome. That's what he said. Yes, question. What is the biggest challenge facing the LabVIEW developer, development community, and how can we resolve that? Or how can the community resolve it without relying on national instruments? I think one of the biggest challenges is the, we, I would like to see the community get larger. And so having the community help get, make the community larger, go out, support user group meetings, support, uh, well, keep participating in the LAVA and NI forums and basically help people raise their level of LabVIEW capability, get them away from just writing three icon applications mm. with a whole lot of icons and a small amount of space um, and, and really push towards uh, teaching people better software skills, better software engineering skills. I'd agree with that. I think that um, LabVIEW has been seen as such a closed system for such a long time. I mean, you, for a lot of people, you'll, you'll talk to them about LabVIEW and they'll hear the word lab to start with. So they think, you know, it's something that's going to be used in a government lab or something like that. Or they've heard about it and they, they, they believe it's just for test. 
Um, my view is that LiveView has uh, matured so significantly in the last few years, especially with the inclusion of, of things like you know, native um, by-value uh, object-oriented programming. Uh, and I think that the next evolution, which we're seeing right now, is the application of true software engineering design patterns. Um, we've always had design patterns, we've always had our queued message handlers and state machines and what have you, but now we're actually bringing design patterns that are accept accepted in the software engineering community outside of LabVIEW, um, which is extremely exciting for me, but what I want, a lot of that is being driven from NI, the system engineering group especially, and a lot of the R&D engineers, and we're seeing a lot of um, community members like people on Lava that are, that are um, that are bringing out examples of those design patterns. I would love to see that grow more, um, being directed. I mean, and, and I like the way that you asked the question as well, um, because we can't rely on NI for all of this. Um, certainly, there are, there are SMEs within NI that know more about LiveView than any of us will ever know, so they will have a unique perspective. But they need us with our industry experience and um, uh, being exposed to what, what is happening in the real world to be able to drive a lot of that fundamental work. And I, I believe that I, I would agree. And also, I think the um, get, I think everyone should get involved, get out there, get involved in the community. Um, this year, we saw an award on the Lavi Tools Network, silver level award for um, uh, a tool that came out of the Lava community. So Lava actually has a tools on the La a tool on the Lavi Tools Network, which is pretty awesome. And this was just something organic that uh, just the community came together and started. Uh, decided to put the code on the LabVIEW Tools Network and came together as a group to just uh, promote this. So I think that's, that's great. And I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see the community getting together, organizing, and um, coming up with frameworks um, and, and some new templates for the project uh, template wizard um, and those type of things. Because we're the people that, that sort of are in the trenches and, um, and these tools serve us, so we should be creating these tools as well. Right, because I mean, the, a lot of the, the key concept here is sharing. Um, I'd like to see more sharing on the community. I mean, we've, we've seen a, a real uptick in uh, OpenG, um, thank you, OpenG uh, sharing in the last couple of years. Now the JG code is, is kind of take the helm of that. Um, and and Mike, Mike just mentioned with the templates, you know, if there are templates that NI releases, you don't have to use those templates. If there's something in there that you want to improve, you know, you can make a copy of them or make your own instance and, and make them better. And I, and, and I encourage that, um, especially in a corporate environment. But what I would really love to see is that happen at a community level where someone says, you know, this cute message handler template that NI has come up with is great for these situations, but here are some other use cases that I have. And then other people in the community can say, well, maybe you should try this or, or whatever. And then we can build bigger and stronger um, templates or, or apl um, application examples um, together as a community. And, and as long as we share, as long as we're open with that sort of stuff, um, I think that that, that will really grow LiveView as a platform and make it much stronger. So I've been give, given the five-minute warning, so we, we need to wrap this up. I, I'd like to thank the panel. I'd uh, like to thank Michael for VI shots in general, as well as putting together this session at an iWeek. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. VIShots.com. I'd like to thank, thank Jack Dunaway. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'd like to thank uh, Justin Gores. Anytime. Christopher Ralph. Not anytime. <laughs> Sometimes. And Brian Powell. You're welcome. Again, I'd like to thank the audience for being here live. Let's hear from the audience.
And that's a wrap. Until, until next time, thank you. Well, thank you again for listening to this episode of VI Shots. I hope you enjoyed what you hear. And if you did like uh, this episode and you've been listening for several so far, uh, please give us feedback on this show at whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, if you're listening to iTunes, then uh, please go on there and give us a written review and uh, a rating. Thanks again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.